and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, from the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole Sports. You're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State, coming to you live from room 420 inside of Diffenbaugh. Save your jokes at the door. I am your host, Nicholas Carlisle, bringing you the latest, greatest, and Florida Statist in everything sports, or at least as much as we all can fit within the hour for people all around the world. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at talk underscore Tomahawk. Jenny is on the handle tonight. Say hi to Jenny, everybody. And you can call into the show at 850-644-1837. Once again, that's 850-644-1837. Welcome to Tomahawk Talk, everyone. And earlier today, I was prepping for the show, and I was having the hardest time coming up with things to talk about for the show tonight. And lo and behold, Chris, it dawned on me, uh, the NFL draft is this week. Oh, is it? It is. Wow. I I mean, yeah. How could you not know that, Nick? Okay, well, no, well, no, well, I didn't know. You didn't know because <laughs> you were with me when we were planning. Right. Uh, I don't, I don't want to. <laughs> no, throwing me completely under the bus. Uh, I don't know what it is. I, maybe it's just because there's no hype for the draft this year. There's no talks of trades. There's Which is no interesting considering all the like the huge picks that are going in. Yeah, and and it's also interesting because there's no argumentation on like who's really going to be the number one pick. It seems like it's really already well, set you know, in stone. It, it changes constantly. It's constantly changing. Yeah. Well, we are going to talk a whole lot about the draft tonight, uh, so that is going to be a whole lot of fun. But we do have some much more to talk about. we got a lot to chop through. Let's get right to it. What is a captain without his crew? I'm joined, as always, by my good friend and co-host, Chris Camacho. Uh, how are you feeling? How am I feeling? Nick, yeah, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I can hear it. I know. I don't know if you heard the sigh before, before I spoke. But, yeah, it's you know, it's the final two weeks of school. Kind of crazy. This is our second to last show. Yeah, I think so. Right? At least together. Wow. wow. That is that is kind of crazy to think about. But, you know, the semester is kind of catching up, and uh, I'm looking forward to graduation on May 4th. Yeah, I don't know if it was you that had the side, but I just heard somebody just exhale through their nose just very deeply, like somebody's hurting in this room. <laughs> We're going to figure out who it is. <laughs> and joining us tonight, Mr. Raise Your Voice, Brett Rutherford, always good to have you on the show, is uh, is Christian Yelich, the second best player in baseball right oh, now, he, behind Mike Trout. He, he, he looks like it, the way he's been hitting the ball. I could watch him hit home runs on repeat for hours. I mean, it, just just a great swing and great series against uh, Chris's Dodgers uh, this past okay. weekend. So, so was that was that a was that a, a yes or a no? You're sounding not sure. There's still so many great ball players. You got Mookie Betts. You obviously Cody Bellinger of the Dodgers having a great start. Uh, but in terms of like enjoying watching someone, Christian Yelich for me. Is probably number one right now. I'm not saying he's the best player, uh, but just, just just pure enjoyment from watching someone play the game of baseball. Yelich is is the best. All right, and to his left, making her tomahawk talk debut. Usually rocks a Twitter handle. Now she's rocking the mic. Emma Clausen, uh, how are you feeling? I'm feeling great. It's cool to be on this side of the the booth. The booth, the studio. Uh, it's great to have you on. And also joining the show tonight, Mr. UCF uh, Luke Fay. And as always, I'm giving you your chance. For your one UCF plug on the show, you've got your UCF track jacket on. I'm gonna call it a, dra- a track jacket, but uh, what do you got? Anything? You, you, what's your UCF plug of the night? Uh, you know, uh, I don't really have anything. I, I gotta say, uh, what a relief really, it is. really, uh, really, just focused on how the Magic um, seem to be able to get it done on the road, but when it comes to matter at home, uh, really, just don't, don't, uh, don't play very well against the Claw. Uh, Luke, by the way. Um, <laughs> we don't need to disclose. Do we need? Do we need? No, do we not no, need to disclose no, no, this? No, no, we don't. Okay. But 
it was fun. It was fun hanging out with Luke uh, yeah. at Township on Fire. Well, let's just say that the Magic game had him feeling all sorts of ways uh, for all so- uh, a bunch I'm of different I'm just an reasons. emotional fan. Yeah, emotional <laughs> fan. Um, <laughs> fully invested. Uh, <laughs> for real. <laughs> <laughs> um, points, in the, points in the back for those who caught that. Uh, <laughs> Chris Camacho, Brett Rutherford, Emma Kloss, and Luke Fame. Once again, I'm your host, Nick Carlisle, and we are starting – off the top, which if you didn't already know, is the segment where I take a look at the past week in sports, rip the top stories, and ask our panel about them, forcing them to come up with answers off the top of their head at the top of the show. And tonight, last week, we talked about the potential biggest comeback in the history of sports with Tiger Woods. Now we may be talking about the biggest choke in the history of sports, the Tampa Bay Lightning after having a record-setting season in the NHL. That's right, Sebastian, we're talking about the NHL <laughs> after a long absence between uh, uh, mentions on the show. You know, he's uh, going to cut out Oh, I know. Say, right? I know. Uh, well, I mean, it's his job not to. So, well, uh, ball's in your corner, Sebastian. Uh, or the puck, rather. The Lightning got swept in the opening round by the Columbus Blue Jackets after being the heavy favorites to win the Stanley Cup. And again, they tied the record for most wins in the regular season, tying the 1995-1996 uh, Detroit Red Wings. Guys, is this the greatest collapse in the history of sports, or at least in recent memory? Chris? Recent memory? That's that's a tough one. You know, I think back to 2004. You got the Yankees, Red Sox in the in the ALCS. You know, Rankies. The Rankies. Wow, I sound like Scooby Doo there. I guess. Uh, no, Yankees up three games to none, and and you know you watch you watch Boston come back and break that curse. It's 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 hard to see a to see a team up so much. And you know, at least at least the Yankees won a game. As opposed to the Lightning, who didn't win at all. So there weren't any expectations th- at that point. Hey guys, Sebastian just came into the studio, and I'm scared for my life. He might have heard that. Uh, <laughs> Brett, quickly. Uh, N- Nicholas, I-, I know I know you don't watch a lot of hockey. Hold on. So let me... Hold on. Let me let me mute Brett for using my full <laughs> name real quick. Uh... <laughs> let, me, let me just explain something to you. I, and I'm not going to sit here and try to make excuses for the Tampa Bay Lightning, a team that I'll admit I, I support wholeheartedly. Uh, and it is inexcusable what went on in that series against Columbus. But this is the Stanley Cup playoffs. Anything can happen in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's a new season. You know, we're talking about the biggest sports uh, choke choke jobs in, in recent memory. You know, you've got the 28-3 Atlanta Falcons lead blown in the Super Bowl. The Auburn Tigers blow in a huge lead against the Florida State Seminoles in the national championship. We don't like to talk about that one. <laughs> well, no, we do. Well, I mean, we do, but we don't. And, and not, so, in that fa- not in that fashion. So so to, to say that this lightning, this, this lightning uh, sweep, Getting swept by by Columbus, yes, it is it is terrible, especially for a team that won sixty two games, tied for the most in NHL history. It's bad, but it's not the worst. Come on, man. Emma, what do you think? I feel like fans are very disappointed in them um, for being so high last year. This is a pretty deep deep low for them, and will they be able to come back or not? Uh, well, I mean that is definitely the question. I mean there is definitely a lot of talent on that roster. We're gonna have to. Uh, see how that unfolds out but um luke what are you thinking i just think it's embarrassing for all of tampa i mean they've already got usf as an embarrassing culture so you know uh, uh, okay all right uh, but good night everybody but uh, that 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 being said you know they they were the the greatest regular season team of all time um and i can't really think of a team that underachieved as much as they did because they didn't even win a game okay the the, the one thing about it was they went up three to zero in the first period and then checked out as if, you know, they were playing a minor league hockey team. It's the NHL. It's the NHL playoffs. Any any type of sport with uh, playoffs in it 
um, you can throw out the seeds. It's essentially it's like a it's like the Miami Florida State game. It's a rivalry game, and uh, it's just if if you're a Lightning fan, there's got to be a change that comes. And I believe uh, is it Yezerman is going to steal the front office from the Lightning yes. and go to the Red Wings. So Steve Eisman, yeah, he stepped down as GM at the beginning of the season. He was staying on as an advisor, and he was just announced as the Detroit Red Wings uh, general manager earlier this week. See, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. <laughs> it's Russian, right? It's uh, Russian. I, it's no, it's not Russian. It's not Russian. Not? Okay. Well, anyways, either way, either way, no excuse, no excuse for me. <laughs> no, no, no excuse for Luke. Uh, I'm in the same boat. There is absolutely no excuse, at least for not being able to win uh, a single game when you're that heavy of a favorite. You know, people want to make fun of Golden State, uh, Golden State for uh, being up three-one and then losing that series to LeBron. Um, but at least they were in position, like really in position, to win that championship. Uh, that's probably probably one of the biggest chokes, but I, I think the fact that the Lightning were not able to win a single game in an opening round uh, really speaks volumes. A couple of other instances that come to mind, definitely. Uh, you, you, Brett mentioned the 28-3 with the Atlanta Falcons and the New England Patriots. I was thinking about a different New England Patriots-related Super Bowl, and that was the first one uh, against the New York Giants where the Patriots were undefeated and then they lost in the Super Bowl, of course. Uh, very happy memory for me as a Dolphins fan, Brett. Well, yeah, you look you look at the Virginia Cavaliers losing to UMBC just a year ago. Turns around, wins the national championship the next year. So, hey, maybe <laughs> maybe maybe the Lightning can do it next year. Okay, now don't you go start bringing hope but it's, already. It's, it's funny they're almost the reverse UAV in that they were so close to making it to the Stanley Cup Finals last year. You know, they were just a game seven shy of it. And then they get knocked out in the first round as opposed to UVA who gets knocked out in the first round. All right, and that was off the top. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and that was off the top. uh, (laughs) uh, Sponsored by me, brought to you by me, answered by our panel. So, uh, bit of an interesting week in Seminole sports. Uh, It feels like, I don't know, I don't want to say it's like always lopsided on one side. It it always seems to be uh, prior to the show and then nothing after. There's nothing in the middle week usually to talk about or so at least we forget or, or at least we forget <laughs> i mean it's getting to finals guys and gals um brain cells are depleting as we speak uh but <laughs> uh florida state softball we haven't really had a good chance to talk about them over the past couple of weeks because they're uh and we haven't really needed to talk about them uh the past couple of weeks and that's literally the ultimate compliment for this team because we say on the show whenever we do bring up this team how good they are what they can do and how you know the potential is there to repeat as national champions but uh, over the past couple of weeks run into uh, some problems uh believe they they did lose the louisville series and that was the first uh acc uh, series that um, Aldemita has lost since when? It's it's been, I think since 2015. Since tw- it's been a long, long time. I was I my mind was saying 2016. Thank you, Chris, for uh, helping me out with that one. But then uh, the next weekend they did lose the series to North Carolina as well. They did win the first game eight to six on Sunday. They lost both games of the doubleheader on Monday. The first one in extras and uh, the second one by a score of zero to one. And then they go uh, for a midweek appearance. It was a very, very highly anticipated game. Uh, Florida Gate was coming to town, and they lost that one 0-4 as well. So offense being a bit of an issue uh, for Florida State in that respect. And, of course, they come back this past week in Boston College, uh, sweet Boston College. So, Chris, do you think that kind of tumultuous period is over for this team? It's hard to tell because in, in a sport like baseball and softball, you're bound to see – ups and downs like this you know and considering how hot this team started out it's i i think i don't want to say it's only fair but it, it's just 
you expect to have days like that. It's it's a little unfortunate when you see it happen back to back to back. You know, at, at uh, the last the past week, they dropped three games in a row. They yeah. dropped three in a row. Right after dropping the doubleheader on Monday and then the game on Wednesday. Uh, it's a little concerning, but I think the sweep against Boston College is a sign of good things to come. It's they're they're picking it back up. It's just it's building that momentum. Um, I was I actually got to I talked to Danny Morgan after the game on on Wednesday, and she just said that the that the team is it's all about short term memory that they're just trying to move on from this, and, and I think the Boston College series really showed that. Brett, yeah, I mean let's let's not beat around the bush. This Boston College team uh, that Florida State swept this weekend. One of the worst teams in the conference, definitely the worst <laughs> team in the division. But what that means is, you know, Florida State, it's 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 their job, it's their responsibility to take care of these games on their schedule, turn it around, and not let losses against Louisville and North Carolina and Florida spiral into something much worse. You go the whole weekend without giving up a single run. I mean, no matter who you're playing, that's that's impressive. Right. Emma, how, how surprised were you by the result of the Florida game? I mean, uh, the two teams obviously met once before in the season, and Florida State came up victorious in that. And I think people were expecting a similar result. So uh, how surprised were you by the, the outcome of that Florida uh, Florida State game? Very surprised. I mean, I was pretty disappointed. Uh, it was a very high atmosphere, and everyone was really rooting for them. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, all right, so... Moving on, so we already talked about the Boston College. Well, actually, I, I did want to go back to that Florida game, and okay. you know, although although Florida State only had two hits that entire game, and, and both, both came from Sydney Sherrill. Both came from Sydney Sherrill. Like, that's yep. exactly what I was going to say, and I think that really speaks to the impact that Sydney Sherrill has had on this team. I I've, actually I'm going to check the stats right now, but if I'm not mistaken, for a long for the longest time, yep, she still has the highest batting average. Her batting average right now. 429. Oh, Jesus. The next highest is 385. She's got a solid uh, 34, 44 po- uh, percentage points on the next highest batting average. Like, that's. Which you say something with the next highest batting average being 385. Exactly. And I think, is that Danny Morgan? That's Danny Morgan. Yeah. That, so, I mean, that's already extremely impressive. Guys, let's, let's not beat around the bush. The the girl for Florida was drafted number one overall for softball in the draft, like, the night before. So this girl can she can toss oh, she toss can. Yeah, the softball. But that, that's what I'm saying. That just shows how impressive Sydney Sherrill's performance yeah. on this team. But has I'm been. saying only allowing you know two hits like it's 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 not that great. But you know sometimes you just go up against superior pitching. Sure. And, and and Megan King was not on the mound for Florida State. They threw Mackenzie Herzog in this game, and she's not a bad pitcher. But you know it, it's. Not that this game wasn't important, but Florida State knows they've got to win in the ACC. They don't see this Florida game as something where they need to prove themselves. They're the national champions. They don't need to prove anything to anybody. they got to focus on winning the games in conference, getting to the postseason, making sure they're healthy, making sure their bats are consistent. So this Florida game, I think they're just going to see it as, as a bump in the road, and obviously they moved on with a great series against Boston College. So looking ahead for the uh, the women in the softball team, uh, I just had the schedule and I just lost it. That's always they exciting. Play, uh, they, they play, play Troy. They, yeah, they play Troy this upcoming Wednesday. Uh, that's at five, and then Duke is coming into town. And the last series before ACC championship, they are traveling to Syracuse. Uh, Luke, Chris, what are the odds that this team completes the season without another loss? It's a great question. Uh, you know, well, thank you. I'm <laughs> feeling good. It's feeling good about it tonight. Well, no, it, it's it's interesting. You you take a look. You take a look at the. Um, the ACC standings, and I think I think Florida State has a good chance of closing it out. Uh, on top, if I'm not mistaken, if, if Florida State 
can win the next seven games, their last seven games, they can come out on top of the ACC. Again, nobody needs – they don't need to prove anything, like Brett said. But at the same time, I think if they're more than capable of doing so, I don't see why why they wouldn't be able to uh, to win the next seven. Luke? Um, no. No. <laughs> I don't. I think that they're going to drop one of those games. the The team is uh, it's still finding itself, and really, Megan Megan King, she uh, can't pitch all those games. The team, the team is finding itself still. I'm saying at an elite level, at a completely elite level. Okay. Um, they 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 aren't the same team that started off with it, 25 and 0 or whatever. I think they went through a little bit of a slump, and. If they can, I, I really do think they're only going to drop one game, but it's nothing to worry about. They should win the ACC title. Okay, well, I don't know. That's a little bit conflicting of a statement, you know, to talk about the team not being elite and then it's an ACC title. But Well, I mean, how many other elite teams are in the ACC? They, they don't have to win all seven of these well, games. Well, right, I'm not, yeah, and I'm not saying the that they do either way. I'm asking about the possibility of closing out the season strong. Maybe I should have worried it, it that It's possible. Way. I wouldn't bet on it. It's possible. No. Okay. Uh, so moving on to baseball, uh, they also had a kind of return to form week, or they've had a couple return to form weekends uh, this past week, but uh, especially on the road, this one was really important for Florida State. Uh, traveling to uh, Davenport Field in Charlottesville, Virginia, to take on the uh, the Cavaliers, uh, which they won the first matchup 14 to two, second matchup five to three. They lost the last one three to thirteen. Chris, th- this was kind of a weekend, I think, in in the big picture. It's a weekend of every single iteration of a Florida State baseball team that we've seen this season. We've seen the dominant Florida State baseball team, which is beating teams by double-digit runs. We've seen the Florida State that can win some of those closest games, but we've also seen the Florida State team <laughs> that completely crumbles and gets beaten badly by a Cavalier team that's nowhere near to uh, average. You know, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, the, the, the game on, was it Saturday? That was the final? No, uh, yes, Saturday. It was yeah, double, double header. header. Oh, okay. The, well, the last game where they, where they got beaten out, I think that was bound to happen. You know, the Florida State has been on such a really good stretch. I, I, you know, the bullpen the bullpen had had a pretty decent weekend. I, I think, you know, you've seen guys like Jonas Scalaro and um, Velez. Anto- is it Antonio Velez? It's Antonio. Yes. yes. You know, they've, they've had – They've had stretches of, of greatness, but at the same time, you know, in games like the like the last one on Saturday, they just gave out. But I, I think this weekend has shown positive signs. You know, that I think the the huge stretch of games that they were losing is well is well behind them. Um, I don't see them losing another series the rest of the way. Uh, of course, they're going to drop a game here and there, but I don't see them losing a series. Emma, do you agree with Chris? Do you think that the uh, the tougher uh, the tougher moments of the season are gone for Florida State? Uh, looking at the uh, the schedule coming up, yes. Um, but I think if they keep their defense up and keep a strong head on their offensive hitters, they can do very well. Um, so uh, this weekend uh, was really great. I mean, Thursday's game was impeccable. They haven't hit that many I mean they did hit that many runs in Clemson but to go weekend to weekend like that is pretty good and I think their pitches are getting better Parrish did really well this weekend yeah I think the reemergence of Parrish has been one of the main reasons why this team has 
kind of rekindled that fire a little bit. But as Chris mentioned, the bullpen on Saturday, uh, looking at it right here, I mean, Shane Drohan probably had his worst start as a Seminole thus far. I think that's, that's a pretty fair statement to say. But then you see Jonas Galaro uh, only faced five batters, uh, went two and thirds inning, uh, three earned runs. Chase Haney came in, pitched one and one, uh, two earned runs. Gage Hutchinson came in, four earned runs. The bullpen just completely collapsed just in that game. Nick, I got some stats here for you. I'll throw them so, out, bud. Drew Parrish and, and C.J. Van Eyck in their last four starts, 28 in, innings pitched, 18 hits, three earned runs, five base on balls, 26 strikeouts, .96 ERA. That's Ooh. what's really fueled the turnaround for Florida State. We talked about earlier their starting uh, pitching has been putrid, and if they can turn that around, Florida State's got the bats. It's just do they have the, the arms to control mm-hmm. Um, a game from being, you know, what should be a three to four game into getting a twenty to fourteen game, like we saw at Florida, or we, whatever that's. Well, was. we talk about two of their go-to guys out of the bullpen, and Chris just mentioned them in Jonas Scalaro and Antonio Velez, two crafty lefties. Don't necessarily bring the heat with their fastball. Those pitchers have have struggled a lot this year. Jonas Scalaro coming off a freshman All-American season, uh, they're only effective when you bring them in after someone like a C.J. Van Eyck, who's coming from the right side, throws a little bit harder. They're not as effective coming after guys like Drohan and Parrish. So I think moving forward and, and moving into the postseason, uh, they're going to really need a, a guy like C.J. Van Eyck to step up as their Saturday starter uh, for the for this for the bullpen to, to to right the ship. Well, I know that you're a big baseball guy, Brett. I don't know if you can talk the specifics on why they aren't as effective as they are coming out after right-handers. It's the, the, I've I've said it before on the show that the staff is just made made up of a lot of guys that have really great breaking balls, a lot of crafty stuff, but n- not necessarily that overpowering stuff as a as a baseball guy would say uh with their fastball and with some of their other pitchers pitches uh that can dominate in the postseason they're definitely effective in certain situations but to have a whole pitching staff made up of guys like that is just it's not going to win you a whole lot of baseball games uh austin pollock chris has been the one guy that seemingly has just not come out of whatever has affected him this entire season do you think he's ever going to really get out of that or do you think that he's just going to have to kind of sit this one out and then rekindle the some fire over the summer well you know a lot of things can change uh in the postseason i don't know that he'll find himself in the postseason um but you know he's he's what a a sophomore now i believe so yeah he's a sophomore he's still coming into his own i I just don't see him as as the go-to guy And, and 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 unfortunately in sports, you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to work on your stuff if you're not getting the experience. If if you're not getting innings, if you're not getting your outings in. Um, but I think if if he wants to solidify himself as a true member of this Florida State bullpen, he's got to start he's got to start making those adjustments uh, during practices. So looking to the road ahead, I know that they play Stetson, I believe twice actually, twice. In, in the middle of the week. Stetson, normally a pretty good team, but this year they have not been performing as well. A little bit on the struggle bus there, uh, so I don't see any reason why Florida State shouldn't have too much trouble uh, with that team. But then, travel, I, no, excuse me, not traveling, Wake Forest coming into town this weekend. Wake Forest also kind of middle of the pack when it comes to uh, ACC. Brett uh, and 
Emma, you can chime in on this too. What are you expecting this weekend from the Knolls? Well, uh, this weekend is another important weekend for for Florida State to continue this quote-unquote turnaround that they've been having. Uh, My mom is coming to town this weekend. We're going to be taking in the game on Saturday together. uh, And I know she's listening, so uh, we're excited about that. Um, But I think, like I said, it's going to be really important to see how the starting pitching builds off of some of the solid performances uh, from from the previous two weekends against Clemson and Virginia. Parrish and Van Eyck have been on fire, as Luke said just a minute ago. Um, so just hopefully they can they can build on that if Florida State uh, you know is going to be successful down the stretch. Do you agree with that? Yeah, agreeing with him. Um, I think they need to keep the momentum up this weekend and not have it happen last weekend with Virginia and them just totally killing themselves on Sunday and just letting Wake Forest score. So I think, agreeing with Brett again, um, the pitching has to start off strong and end strong. So ideally for you, you think a sweep is what Florida State needs? 100%, yeah. All right, well, uh, moving on past that Wake Forest, they only have a couple more series left in this season. They have a three-game set uh, the following weekend. Uh, graduation weekend. How are you? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Is I, it sitting in? Yeah, a little bit. I don't oh, know. No, you, you know what's funny is, is, is I, you know, you're seeing on Twitter from a bunch of seniors who are like, this is the last week of school. Yeah, this I'm like, last, please stop. This is like please, the end of the stop. regular season for us seniors. Hey, there's still time to flunk, boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a... Join your brother in yeah. an extra victory lap semester. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm oh, back. It's just literally just the terminate. I'll be back because I'm feeling... Uh, I, not really. I'm a good student. <laughs> I, I want to talk about the Pittsburgh game real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Or I should say, you know, the matchup. If Florida State loses to another team that can't play baseball during the winter, I will lose my head because those kids are practicing in a gym. There's snow on the field. Florida State has no business. Who? What baseball player do you get to go to Pittsburgh? I mean, come on. We're this is. Florida. I would I would have taken a this scholarship is, offer hey, if they'd given it to is, me. Yeah, and and there's a reason why Pittsburgh would be bad. Okay, <laughs> this is Florida State. This is a premier, uh, you know, a premier baseball team. They gotta wake up. And beat the barn doors out of Pittsburgh. Oh my gosh! Yeah, the number of synonyms you're using for curse words is, is astonishing. It's astonishing. It's, it's very impressive. But I'm also very proud. Yeah. If you can't beat a team like Pittsburgh, like who's four and seventeen in conference, I mean, what are we doing here? I mean, that's yeah. That's just you know, like like Luke said, can't take, practice. Honestly, you got to take away Eleven's pension if that happens. Uh, <laughs> no. I I, um, no, I won't slander Eleven on this um, show, but. Um, yeah. yeah real me in, guys. Real me in. Yeah, somebody, <laughs> yeah, somebody I'll needs to. i just leave it there. I mean, we do have a mute button, but. Um, Where do you go from there, Nick? Jeez, <laughs> I don't know. Now, I don't know. Hey, we have standards here, Nick. You know? we, do, we do 40 have wins, standards. 40 wins or outs. 40 wins or <laughs> outs. Well, it is halfway um, through the hour. It, it is halfway through the hour, so I think that's a perfect time to let Luke calm down um, <laughs> so he can. Uh, have a little bit of a break we are going to take a bit of a break as well we'll be back in about 90 seconds Uh, you are listening to tomahawk talk on wvfs tallahassee the voice of florida state
And welcome back to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State taking a little bit longer than 90 seconds uh, because there is no seminal segment tonight. Everybody is busy doing some studying things, some stuff and things. What's that um, like? What? What's studying like? No, that's all I do. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're scaring me be, there for a second. Cool here, Nick. Yeah. Well, w- didn't work wait. Out. So walk walk me through this one. Not studying is is cool. Well, it means I have something else to do. Oh, <laughs> hey, as long okay. as you end up with above a three, doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh well. I, I'm I'm glad that you set your 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 you know goals really high, Luke. What? What? A, hey, it's just it doesn't have your GPA on your uh, graduation slip. That's nope. all I gotta say. I am ke- I am probably printing that out and posting that on my door. Um, <laughs> as the rest of the uh, the rest of the year winds down. So, uh, NFL draft. We we teased it at the beginning of the show. We 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 subconsciously knew it was coming. I mean, we're not that um, oblivious to what's going on, but it was really again, as I said, a kind of surprising. Like, oh yeah, that's happening this week uh, and weekend because really been no hype around uh whether it's something you know coming out of florida state whether it's some big trade to be rumored to be happening at some time during this draft there really just has been nothing but uh, florida state does have a couple of prospects that could potentially get drafted uh in the main draft of course there's always a fair chance that there are some players that are going to be taken undrafted uh after everything is said and done but uh Obviously, the big man on campus, the big name out of Florida State in the draft, Brian Burns. Brett, I'm going to come to you first. What do you, where are you thinking he lands? I'm, you, you know, getting to watch a guy like Brian Burns play, and uh, in, in respecting the absolute gamer that he is, uh, coming off the edge. 
I, I think he's, he's looking mid to late first round, and, and that's that's definitely amazing. Um, it, it would be really interesting to see him go a little bit higher, maybe to a team like Detroit in the top 10, because uh, I definitely think he has the ability to, to be a big-time NFL player. You think so? Emma, what do you think? I read that the Eagles thought about picking him up, but they had concerns because of his medical record. And going off of what happened with Sidney Jones with the Eagles, he also had similar injuries to what Burns has on his ACL tear. Interesting. So. All right. And so, Luke, if you could pick where, like literally pick a team uh, that you think would fit Burns best, what are you thinking? Well, that's a good question. I just want to piggyback off of the Philadelphia Eagles thing. If they're really worried about ACLs, uh, wasn't Josh Sweat drafted by the Eagles? I believe so, yeah. Didn't he have a horrific knee injury? Yes, he did. So what is their infatuation with Florida State and knee injuries? I don't know. Um, we we, we got we to gotta figure that one out. All right. Somebody... Brian Burns, though. Um, you know, that's that's a good question. He's got to tandem up with some other young, young guy. Um, I hear that there's problems over in Texas with Jadavion Clowney um, with an extension with him and what's going on over there. Um, he could be a viable option opposite of J.J. Watt um, to fill that void and uh, if Jadavion Clowney decides to leave or if they decide to trade him, that could be an interesting uh, thing to look out for. But do you realistically think that Burns is going to still be there at 23 when the Houston Texans are picking, or do you think they, the Texans would have to trade up? Oh, he's going to be there. Oh, you think he's going to be there? Yes. Okay. Chris, do you think he's going to be there? Do I, uh, do I think he'll still be there around 23? Yeah. Um, t- uh, That's a tough one to say. I, I would agree that he's going mid to late first round, and, and – Yes, to answer your question, yes, I do think it, it just depends how those trades go down with the quarterbacks. To be honest, because yes. all that the quarterbacks and position players on offense really drive who is taken. Where an offensive tackle that was supposed to be taken fourth or fifth overall drops to nine, so you don't really know until draft day. That's that's why it's so unpredictable. I'm I've I don't know what it what it is. Maybe I just like the idea of him being in kind of like a, a light blue and a white. But I'm looking at the Carolina Panthers at sixteen, and I'm really. Uh, enjoying that, and uh, Austin. Austin is shaking his like head it. over I there. I like it, Nick. I, Austin, why? Why are you shaking your head? I would prefer him to go to my Atlanta Falcons. Okay, well, okay, well, that's bias, and we're we're gonna. <laughs> Sebastian, I don't know if that's audible over the mic, but we're just gonna uh, eliminate that. Uh, anyways, oh. Nick uh, Julius Peppers just retired. Exactly. With the Panthers. So exactly. I that's ex- that's that's exactly where I was going with that. Julius Peppers just retired. Carolina's gonna be looking for a new young buck to kind of take over the edge rusher and. If there's one thing that we do know that Brian Burns can do is he can get after the quarterback, and he can do that very well. Not quite sure who he is lining up across from, but I think filling the void of Peppers, who's Hall of Famer, with somebody like Burns, who has that athleticism, he has that size too. That's I, I think that's a great move for Carolina if he's there at 16. But if, if what Luke and Chris said uh, turns out to be true, if he's going to be there, uh, anyways, I I don't think Burns is the type of talent that can carry a defense that can be their lone star. But if you look at teams that are either playoff contenders or right on the bubble that have a lot of pieces, but they're missing that one edge rusher, I think Brian Burns could make a huge impact in the NFL as a rookie. I don't necessarily know that the Panthers are on the verge of playoff stardom. Uh, I think they're going to have to figure out what Cam Newton is doing at quarterback first. But uh, I, again, I uh, do think that you know, he's going to end up in Carolina. That would be that would be my if I was a betting man, which I'm not, Luke is. Um yeah. <laughs> I I would I would guess Carolina. Chris, do you have do you have any preference or I I don't want to say preference, but do you have a guess as to where he'll land? 
I, I like Carolina. I, I could see him in some of that. Some of that. I, I think that would look nice on him. Yeah, the light blue and the and the silver and the, and the silver and the white. Yeah. Get out of here with this blue color. We are, you know, this is not a Florida Gator station. This is a, we're talking about a baby blue. Well, yeah, we're talking a, like a let's real. Let's go to baby the Atlanta blue. Falcons in that nice red. Come on, guys. True. Not gonna lie, Devontae Freeman looks real nice in that. Atlanta, okay, well. <laughs> okay. You know what looks really nice? An NFL contract out of college. Come on, guys. Yes, that looks Hook very us nice. Up. Hook us up. <laughs> <laughs> to do what? What position are you gonna play? Place kicker. Um, the league could... commentator? Are you kidding me? Oh, oh okay. Were well, you talking commentator? I was and talking. I'll take the league minimum. <laughs> <laughs> take the league minimum. Sit fourth fourth bench on uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's Anyways. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, moving on, uh, Demarcus Christmas. Ideally, late second round, early third round pick. I think that's probably where he's going to. Brett, you're shaking your head. Do you think he's going to go later? I, I, I don't know if he can cut it at the next level. You know, it's just he's he's got the ability, but I don't know if he has that that X factor that's going to push him over the edge. Uh, I maybe a team like Philadelphia. He could he could fit in very, pretty well in behind a guy like like a Fletcher Cox or one of the big defensive tackles you can kind of learn under. But Brett, is he a poor man's Timmy Jernigan? I I don't know even know if I'd give him that. I, I I'm sorry. And then, maybe he should learn behind Timmy Jernigan with the Eagles. That, that would that would be a good opportunity for him. Like I said, I I don't I don't know what he's going to end up being in the NFL. Uh, but yeah, in mean, second round, third round, I think he could turn into a to an okay depth player at defensive tackle. So you th- so you think second or third round, but it's going to be a a quote unquote bust for Christmas. Yeah, it's kind of a wait and see. I, I won't call him a bust before the draft. It's just a wait and see. Nothing, nothing that I'd be jumping to to draft him if I was an NFL front office. Emma, do you agree? I could totally see him staying in state and going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think they could definitely use him. Uh, he's a big guy, and they could he could do some damage with them. Yeah, big guy. I mean, he's got he's got ex- deceiving explosiveness too. It's kind of the thing I know about Christmas. But as as Brett said, it's it's really an above the shoulder yeah. thing for Christmas. He he, you know, in his time at Florida State, uh, as well as some other people are going to talk about here, had the tendency to take plays off. Uh, wasn't always the biggest leader uh, in the locker room. So I mean, and he doesn't necessarily have to be a leader in in an organization in order to to flourish, but. It's it's something that is definitely concerning. You know, and, and he can be explosive against Wake Forest. Can he be explosive against the Dallas Cowboys? You know, I think it's a, it's a big jump, and I you know I'll, I'll root for the guy. I'll admit it, but I, I don't know if he has it. Do you, Chris? Do you kind of share uh, Brett's pessimism about Christmas's future in the NFL? I would agree. I'm going to agree. Yeah, just you're just that's, simply just simply going to agree. I'm just here, so I don't we're, be fine. Yeah, we're trying not to hurt feelings <laughs> out here. Uh, Luke, I'm gonna ask you the same. Wait, do you think Christmas is really, ideally, just gonna end up kind of being that second second unit type of, uh, type of player? Yeah, I think you know the way he's gonna become successful is to be in the NFC West and go up against Seattle's uh, offensive line because that's uh, that's pretty easy. You can get a job doing that. So get him, get him in the NFC West with uh, those spread offenses, and uh, put him to work. Uh, but really, there's so much pressure on every athlete, whether it comes in their freshman year in college in basketball, football, baseball, or their rookie year in the NFL. Like guys, people need to develop. Like I don't know how good of a student you were your freshman year in high school, or how good of a um, broadcaster you were the first time you went on air. But like these guys, there's so much pressure on athletes. I just feel like. Um, 
now, now, now is kind of like a bad mantra to have if you're a fan and if you're an organization. So he doesn't really need to be that successful right away. Just find the spot that, you know, fits him. I agree. I agree all too well. So moving on to uh, Nyquan Murray, who we all know the kind of disastrous combine that he had, had a little bit of a better pro day, um, a little bit of a better pro day. Uh, Brett, what are you thinking? Do you think that he's going to get drafted? I mean, I could, I, I am, I am honestly, and I'm a little bit more optimistic about Murray going somewhere than I am about Christmas going somewhere. We, we, we've seen the type of plays that, that Nyquan Nooney Murray can make on the football field. He, he, he can be a great receiver at times. He's got the speed. He's got the hands. Can he put it together? Can he keep his head on straight? I think a team will definitely take a flyer on him and, and I, I think that he could turn into a better NFL talent than a guy like Christmas. I know we're talking apples and oranges with wide receivers and defensive tackles, uh, but Murray's going to be an interesting one. Uh, when I take a look, when I think about Nyquan Murray, I think of somebody that obviously he had his injuries in his time at Florida State. He also, like Christmas, definitely did not play every single down. He was a very on and off type of player, very move with the morale of the team type of player. That's not exactly. Uh, the most cons- uh, most comforting thing when you talk about an NFL prospect, but he does have the tendency to kind of not be the best locker room guy. Uh, definitely gets himself in trouble. He, I think he, I don't know if he got ejected more than once, but I distinctly remember him getting ejected yeah, once we, once a season for go throwing down, punches. He'd go down swinging, you know, li- in, the, in the literal <laughs> sense, into a helmet, <laughs> into a helmet. Which I don't understand ah, that. The why 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 do you why do you punch a guy? That is wearing a helmet that's literally made to prevent from uh, prevent concussions. I wonder if that was asked that. at the combine. You know, the teams sit down and do yeah, interviews. Oh, I hope some teams yeah. asked him that. Why you would punch someone wearing a helmet? Chris, Chris, I, I want to ask you this question: For Nooney, um, how devastating to his career is that the AAF doesn't exist? <laughs> well, he's out of a backup plan. You know, like, there's no. Uh... <laughs> well, we got hey, the there's XFL. There's no ands or about it. He, oh. oh, the XFL. I don't even think he'd even be drafted in the XFL. This guy is like he's like Kermit um, last year, where he's he went off of his talent for so long, and then lost the drive. And I don't think I don't know if you guys see it, but like he just doesn't try anymore. And that's it's a fantastic. No, I agree. That's a fantastic that comparison. NFL. You can't do it. And, and teams pick up on that, whether it be in games and practices at the combine. Teams notice that. You know, I think I think there's a few teams out there that might like his his raw talent, but. You know, this is not a try league. This is this, this a is a do, this is a do league, and uh, I, I'm glad that you brought that. I brought, excuse me. I'm glad that you brought up Kermit there, uh, Luke, because if you take talk about apples and oranges and take a guy that has a tremendous talent and just doesn't want to use it, uh, and then the opposite of that, you take a look at Bobo Wilson and how he's been able to get a roster spot with the Buccaneers. Really, and, and, Love Bobo. and he he wasn't he wasn't compared he, to Kermit like he wasn't. Would, any he wasn't, one, would he was, anyone have thought that he was Bobo maybe, Wilson was going to be on an NFL roster? He was maybe the third best receiver on the roster at that time, uh, for Florida State. And he and well, You're, that's that's about right. But like, no one would have thought he would have had a career with the Buccaneers, and and that's the same thing with Javian Elliott, uh, who was the walk, walk on, on at, at Florida, Florida State. State. Those two guys, whatever happened to them, they. They got together and said, you know, this is my livelihood and ended up carving out a roster role with the Buccaneers. And Elliott, I believe, was starting 
Yeah, no, it's, uh, the Bucks. TCC the Bucks, alum. The Bucks, TCC alum, if you guys The Bucks dealt with a lot of injuries. But I think I think that's the difference between a guy like J.D. and Elliott and a guy like Nooney Murray. It's not necessarily talent on the field. It's that X factor. It's it's putting in that extra work. you got to want it. And and I don't know if Nudie does. You don't know if Nudie I think All I know is wherever Letitia Murray is, <laughs> you, know, you know he's going to have at least one fan. At least one fan, indeed. I think the one thing that when it comes to Nyquan Murray and what he needs to succeed in the NFL, he needs a quarterback. And I know that there are some receivers that you take a look at them and say, well, that person does not necessarily need a great quarterback in order to be a great wide receiver. Nyquan Murray needs a good quarterback to be a good receiver. You take a look at the production that he had when at least DeAndre Francois was healthy and he was slinging some balls instead of kind of throwing them into the dirt. Um, and then you take a look at what went down when Blackman was still struggling with his with uh, developing his game. He needs a quarterback. And when I take a look at who has a quarterback and who can use a nice slot receiver, my mind instantly thinks Indianapolis Colts. I like that. But I was thinking more along the lines of the New England Patriots. You take a coach like Bill Belichick that can mold a player like Murray, who, like I've said, has a lot of raw talent, put him in the slot, have a quarterback like Brady throw into him, Maybe you make something happen. No, he's got to go to the worst team in the NFL next year, and that's gonna be the Miami Dolphins. There is a roster spot there. Heck, who who is the who's the slot wide wide receiver for the Dolphins? Albert Wilson. There's a roster spot there. Are you are you are you serious? No, Albert Wilson was the and, best wide receiver on the team this well, past season. Yeah, I know, but who's his backup? <laughs> and he's Grant. got a quarterback there in Ryan Fitzmagic. Ryan, okay, dude, okay. We are getting somewhere here, okay. Brad. We are getting okay. somewhere. Oh, okay. Me and Gary are collectively. In, in a serious amount of disdain. Um, maybe Tua next year. Do you think his like childish behavior will go away if he gets onto like, well, a better team? Well, if you take... Team, well, but... I don't know if comparing him to Antonio Brown is necessarily a good comparison but because um, he's not Antonio Brown. But if that man is going to be as childish as he is about you know just switching teams and that was something that was hidden away for a while... I don't know taking a look at somebody that already kind of does act kind of childish already at the collegiate level is going to change anything. Maybe he'll mature. Maybe he won't. That's always a 50-50 thing, but I really don't see it happening. A lot of players change for the better when they make that jump from the NCAA to the NFL, but a lot of players get, get you know, when it comes to character and attitude, they, they get worse once they make that jump. They get that professional contract. Last person I want to talk about is Jacquez Patrick. Don't think, at least I don't think he's going to get drafted. Um, I think he's going to be one of the probably the highly sought out undrafted free agents. Maybe, maybe a team takes a chance on him in the seventh round. Um, but he definitely has the talent. He's definitely been working. He has gained muscle mass. He has gained weight. Um, Brett, where do, where do you see Patrick going, if I, if at all? He he just doesn't cut it for the NFL. Um, I think he's a great guy to have for depth in the, in college football, in a conference like the ACC. But when it comes to talent and and what he would need to do to be productive at a professional level, uh, he just he just doesn't have it. Doesn't have it. Emma, do you agree with that? Yeah, I feel like he's gonna have to put in twice as much work to get to where everybody else is, or where they're starting off in their rookie season. So. All right, Luke. What are you saying as well? Nick, I I don't want to contradict you, but it says that he lost twenty pounds to get um, slimmer. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I sorry. I think you meant you meant like I meant, slimming down. I, I meant he. I meant he, he got stronger, down. but lost the fat. That's that's right. But I I saw that he lost twenty pounds and is he said that it was a blessing in disguise that he didn't get invited to the combine, and to me. He is that big guy who, like a Legarrette Blunt, um, 
his best Florida State comparison is Carlos Williams with less production. Mm-hmm. Now Carlos Williams, one of the one of the better NFL running backs whose career got drum rolled by suspensions. Um, but that being said, I think that he could. He's that type of guy where all you got to do is tell him to run straight. He's so big. Mm-hmm. Get him in a spot where he can be a practice squad player. And with running backs, their shelf life is about four years. So obviously someone is going to be injured, and you could see him in that third or fourth role and working on special teams if it comes down to that as well. Is Patrick really a guy that should be losing weight, or should he be a guy that's bulking up, continuing to be a power back? Mm. I know the fullback is like a dying position, but if it, it could that be his only way onto a roster? Well, he was like over 240. Yeah, he was and definitely so overweight. He, I think he needed more. the The problem with him was it wasn't. He's not going to lose that bullheadedness. It's just if you saw him break away, he had no speed. There was no. There was no speed after about ten or fifteen yards in space. And I think that that's been his real problem. I, I don't know if that'll change with the lost weight. And again, I, I like I said, I don't think talent. When there. when everybody is just as fast. Yeah. At that next level, Chris, I'm going to throw Brett's question to you. Do you think that? Patrick's losing weight is going to help him, or do you think that he should have stuck to his guns and should have just been that big, bulky running back that teams could take a chance on? Well, see, I think if he's going to be bulking up, it's got to be in, in both well mass but also muscle mass as well. I, I think that was one of the one of the biggest ways that he was used here at Florida State is in those tough positions when you needed short yardage. You know, you, you knew you could throw Jacquez Pac- uh, Patrick in there, and, and he'd be able to muscle his way through. Um, so I would say I would say bulking him up. And I don't, I don't see anything wrong with him putting on the muscle weight either. You know, just I, I think that muscle weight is what you're going to need in the NFL. I think the biggest thing that just impairs Patrick is the fact that he was never a true number one running back at Florida State. There was never a real good sample size for Patrick. There were a couple of games. Uh, I, I was going to say last season, but I realized last season is now uh, two seasons ago when uh, Francois went down. Uh, I'm just going to call it the Francois-less season the, uh, or the Jimbo, the flight of Jimbo. Um, either one. We'll come up with a name for that. Uh, but that was that was a season in which he did get extra playing time. He did win Florida State some games, but other than that, he's always been behind Cam Akers or Dalvin Cook or Kalen LeBourne. He's always been behind somebody. I take a look at what he brings to the table, and my mind instantly screams New England Patriots. They tend to love those big, bulky running backs that can really get in your face, and they'll, they'll beat you down, tire you out, so... Uh, Tom Brady can show the, uh, throw those short uh, three-step slants that he loves so much, um, but I don't. I, I remember taking a look at the seventh round. Patriots don't really have many picks, if at any picks at all, in that round. So I, I guess that he, in my guess, is Patrick will go undrafted, then he'll sign with Dolphins or Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, there's also quite a few running backs also in this draft that are over 220. You know, you look at Josh Jacobs, uh, Benny Snell out of Kentucky. Patrick, I just maybe in a different year, a different draft class where he could be that thicker power back. Um, I just don't think this year is probably the best year for him to you know lose his eligibility and go into the draft. So that's that's pretty much. I think that's everybody in terms of uh, Florida State that is going to be at least somewhat in the spotlight, at least in our spotlight, uh, when it comes to getting drafted. But big question, kind of teased at the beginning of the show as well. we got five minutes to talk about it. Uh, Chris, Kyler Murray has been rumored to be the number one pick um, for reasons that escape me, um, but I'll, I'll get my opinion out sooner rather than later. Uh, Chris, how are you feeling uh, if the Arizona Cardinals do go through with the rumored plan to take Murray at number one after taking Rosen at three? I believe it was three 
last year. Yeah. How do I feel? No. Yeah. How do you, how, how how would you 10. feel if it happened? Oh, I mean, I think. Oh, they picked him at ten. That's right. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised to see that. I mean, well, let me let me clarify because obviously it, it's strange whenever you see an NFL team recruit the same position two years in a row. Um, granted, I with all the rumors that had been going on before the season, you know, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, that's his name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, yes. they fired that whole coaching staff that draft, drafted Rosen. So. Right. That's what I'm saying. They're starting over, starting fresh. Um, I don't see why Kyler Murray couldn't couldn't be the one to make the change. I just I just think it's it's a strange move to make for an NFL team. Emma, if you were the Cardinals, what would you do? Would you would you buy into Murray, or do you think that they can use that draft pick for attention elsewhere? I think Murray could go elsewhere, um, but it would ruin everybody else's plan. Basically, <laughs> Oakland Oakland and the 49ers have it set up for a nice trade, and same with the. New York Giants and the Bucks. So I think if if the Cardinals don't pick him up, everything will be a little little different. But I think if they do take him, they could see a good outcome for the season upcoming. So in other words, you think it just kind of feels right for the Cardinals to take Murray at this point? It, yeah, it I mean, makes if, they, sense. if they don't, I think it would be dumb. But if they're looking for something else, I mean, go see, ahead. I, see, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. I think it would be dumb if they take Murray at all. Most GMs don't get to take two quarterbacks in the first round with like while while they're in the same job. Uh, they have a terrible offensive line, a terrible team in just in general. Maybe Murray helps them run the offense a little better this year with that line because he's able to move around a little bit more than Rosen. If I were the Cardinals, I would stick with Rosen, build the team, build the trenches. That's where you're going to win football games. Stick with a guy like Rosen who, who can win games in the NFL, um, and I'm pretty sure of that. And and just build the team elsewhere. Murray, we you know, I'm not gonna wax poetic about how short he is or about how small he is. Um, I think he'll he'll fit in somewhere else in the league. But if I'm the Arizona Cardinals, use this first pick to take the most talented player in the draft in either Quinnen Williams or Nick Bosa. And uh, well, I just before you go, Luke, I'm glad that you brought that up because another short and fast player also just got one of the biggest contracts, if not the big, biggest contract in NFL history. Russell Wilson just got his money. Short and fast doesn't matter all that much. Uh, Nick, I, I just want to go back to the uh, Florida State season. You were trying to dub it. That was the Christmas tree season um, <laughs> with a uh, Christmas tree on the side of the road, which uh, basically told us that Jimbo was gone. So I just wanted to go back to that and make sure the, the viewers knew where you were going with that. I think uh-huh. that's a good one. I'll take that. Now, now in, in, in Kyler Murray's defense, he is small, but he is a gamer. And if, if you're if you're uh, Cliff, you got to get your guy. There's no one else in this draft that's going to fix uh, what what the Arizona Cardinals are going to do. They're going to be terrible next year, no do you, doubt about it. Do you think Kyler's going to fix the Arizona Cardinals? See, that's why that's no, but, where but I'm at. I don't think I they think, do. I think that Lamar Jackson was 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 close guy. That that would be the guy that that would work best. Now Kyler Murray is small, and this is this is really unprecedented. What what they're doing with him, I think that it's a good choice. I really really do. I mean, him going up against Alabama, he single-handedly kept that game close. It should have been it should have been even more of a out than what it was. I like the guy. I really do. Now, can he stay healthy? The one drawback on Michael Vick was what? He broke his ribs every other game. Okay? So, if you can keep him healthy and not be stupid, sky's the limit for the Arizona Cardinals in 4 to 5 years. The uh, the rest of the team is horrible. But it starts with the quarterback. 
You can look at the Jags right now. They would have been the best team in football if they had Russell Wilson last year, if they had a viable quarterback. And so if you have a viable quarterback, you can build up. And I think that there's a chance. Well, but what I think Nick was saying before is, is you, you got a guy like Rosen who can win those NFL games. And you even said earlier that a guy like Demarcus Christmas doesn't need to be, you know, that starter immediately. And maybe that's what Josh – maybe that what do, was – What Rosen's. do you mean, Rosen? I, I like Rosen. I do, sure. but what, what but evidence if you're gonna do you take have away, that he can win games? If, if you're going to take away his what starting do do job the year after – What do you do at UCLA? You've also lost all trade value when it comes to Josh Rosen – they, they, a lot of teams are already banking on the fact that the Cardinals want Kyler, and they're not going to give up a whole lot for Rosen. Then you're giving up basically a first round pick from just a year ago that you thought was going to be your franchise quarterback. As a gambler, dude, you don't double and triple and quadruple down on a hole that's already forty feet deep. I mean, if there's uh, well, if that's not your guy, don't keep on digging deeper. You're going to get in a thousand dollar hole. Are you are you completely convinced that Rosen? Is not the guy. Like, are you? Is not think- the guy for Arizona. He will not be successful. It's like Victor Oladipo with the Magic. He was never going to reach his success until we left. That's the same same thing with Rosen. He needs to get to a, a place where the coaching staff believes in him. He said that he, he doesn't even know. He said it's awkward going to meetings and stuff. What what is what is he going to do when they say uh, we? We're flirting with another girl. Like, you're hot, but you're not that hot. <laughs> I, come on, dude. How does that do your self I, I think in the short term, Murray Murray might be the answer for Arizona. But if you're looking to build a, a franchise quarterback and a team around this quarterback, I don't think Murray is going to hey, cut it. We've all been there when, when stuff like that's happened. I mean, come on. You know, so. Uh, well, I, I hate to go off air uh, off of that riveting discussion about who's hot or not Luke but um, <laughs> either way we are out of time on this edition of Tomahawk Talk thank you all so much for tuning in listening as always really appreciate you all appreciate you all listening and uh, chatting with us and having a good time so uh, for Chris for Emma for Brett for Luke I am Nick Carlisle this has been Tomahawk Talk new releases up next we will see you next week <laughs>